0: So welcome to this edition of On The Pulse, in which CMS experts provide updates on the key developments bringing innovation and disruption to the life sciences and healthcare sector. I'm your host, Nick Beckett. Today we're delving into the fertile area of cannabis, and I'm delighted to be joined by three of the CMS life sciences specialists who regularly advise clients in this sector. So we've got Shuna Mason from the UK, we've got Ellen Geelan from the Netherlands and Laura Apiglio from Italy. So welcome to all of you. So there's been a real buzz, I think, on cannabis over the recent years. Uh, Cannabis obviously has a very wide range of uh, both medical and industrial application. And I think the European uh, cannabis report a couple of years ago suggested the value of the EU market could be 55 billion euros within the next 10 years. And with a population of somewhere in the order of 750 million people, it's anticipated that Europe could be the biggest market uh, for cannabis kind of on the planet. Um, I think when you look at it from a regulatory perspective, I've I've read an article that suggested it's following Moore's law that in the last few years, every two years, the number of countries opening up their laws to allow for medical use of cannabis is doubling. Um, And we have put out, CMS has put out uh, a report, a legal roadmap for cannabis on this. And obviously that's a fascinating read of itself. And um, obviously, there are differences between all the different markets. But if I just look at the table in the report, um, as a summary, I would say that with some exceptions such as Bulgaria or Russia, uh, it is in general medically allowed, medical uses allowed of cannabis in the majority of markets in Europe. But I think what's interesting is that actually when you look at the markets themselves and what's actually happening, the position is very different. So maybe it'd uh, be good just to get to begin with an overview from each of you on you know, what's happening in, the, uh, in, in each of your markets. So maybe start with Lara, uh, if you could tell us what's uh, what's happening in Italy on the market.
1: Thank you, Nick. In Italy, the situation is rapidly uh, evolving. Uh, we just have one authorized uh, industrial drug uh, uh, on the market, uh, which has been authorized in 2013, even if other uh, drugs which are marketing in foreign countries can be imported upon request of a single hospital or doctor for name patients. Uh, Nevertheless since 2006, uh, uh, Italian doctors are allowed to prescribe cannabis to patients affected uh, by very serious diseases like multiple sclerosis, uh, or spinal cord injuries, uh, or uh, patients affected by cancer uh, who are treated by chemotherapy in order to reduce uh, the adverse effects of chemotherapy, like nausea or vomiting. And also, patients affected by AIDS uh, can be treated uh, with uh, cannabis drugs. Uh. Um, cannabis is usually taken uh, by decoction or inhalation uh, uh, by special uh, uh, vaporizers, uh, and the applications are prepared by chemists in the premises of a pharmacy. So it's not allowed to prepare the, the drug at home. Uh, there is a growing uh, request uh, um, for uh, cannabis treatments uh, by Italian patients uh, and the Ministry of Health has endorsed the use of cannabis for uh, these diseases and also allowed the reimbursement uh, by the Italian government uh, for patients uh, who are admitted uh, to cannabis In principle, it is also possible to use cannabis for the so-called other uses uh, which means uh, anxiety, depression uh, or uh, other kind of diseases for which the reimbursement by the Italian uh, healthcare system is not allowed. Of course, the cost of cannabis is an issue for the Italian government. Uh, um, In Italy, we do not produce uh, uh, cannabis. Uh, Private companies are not allowed to uh, start the production of cannabis, um, the Italian government, in, all, in order to reduce the cost of the importation from the Netherlands, uh, started some years ago experimental plant under the control of the military a chemical plant based in Florence. So we, we started to have a public production under the control of the state, which is highly insufficient um, to meet the expectations of the Italian market. The production will We probably uh, doubled uh, in 2020, but nevertheless, uh, we still buy cannabis uh, from abroad. Some years ago, the Italian government started to uh, buy cannabis uh, uh, through public tender procedures. Um, The last uh, public tender was awarded to a Canadian company. Uh, But still, the the production at the national level uh, by private companies is not uh, not allowed. So, also, Italian growers are not allowed to participate in public tenders. The consumption of cannabis for medical purposes has increased uh, 10 times uh, from 2014 uh, to 2018. So, the potentiality of this market uh, is, is very, very high, and we expect that in the future uh, the situation will change uh, and more uh, producers uh, will be allowed to enter into the Italian market.
0: And Shuna, for the UK, is the situation similar?
2: Um, there are certainly similarities. So in in the UK, it became possible for cannabis to be prescribed legally um, from the 1st of November 2018. So that was a big step change for the UK. Um, but prescription prescribing is limited to specialist doctors who have actually got to be entered on a specialist register kept by the um, General Medical Council and in practice there have in fact been very few prescriptions, so not really significantly over a hundred since legalisation there in um, November 2018. And and most of those have really been in the private medical sector in the UK rather than in the National Health Service. So a lot of prescribing is um, in relation to unauthorised medical cannabis. And um, for that to take place, um, the guidance that's come out from the regulatory bodies for healthcare professionals is that um, that kind of prescribing should be agreed by a multidisciplinary team of specialist doctors. And certainly at um, the basic primary care level, general practitioners are not able to prescribe unauthorized medical cannabis to patients. And, and also, there's no form of over the counter or OTC medical cannabis available in the UK. Um, There are some authorized products, but really um, the range of uses for those is fairly limited and um, National Health Service, NHS reimbursement, isn't mandated for that. So that means therefore that the cost will fall on the patient or or on their family. And so in practice, um, there are quite restrictive conditions of use and fairly low level prescribing within the NHS And so we see many patients just using private clinics where, as I mentioned, prescribing is also still relatively low level. And and of course, one reads reports of patients um, therefore obtaining cannabis on the black market, which, of course, is um, not subject to um, adequate quality control. And there are quite significant variations therefore in the quality of products that people are consuming. Um, There have been some criminal prosecutions. Um, initiated against patients in the UK where they've cultivated cannabis for their own medicinal use or or else alternatively they've sourced it in various forms by the black market. And and we have also seen some enforcement by the UK Home Office against CBD products in the -the over-the-counter wellness sector, so CBD oils, where retailers have been challenged to demonstrate that um, these CBD products are actually lawful. Um, we, we've also um, heard of some enforcement against suppliers of unauthorised um, medicinal cannabis where they're supplying it um, as, as a UK special. And um, although the courts tend to take a fairly sympathetic um, approach when they're dealing with patients such as MS patients um, who've been using this to sort of deal with um, severe spasticity symptoms, um, you know, these cases are extremely fact sensitive and they certainly don't set a legal precedent in terms of the way courts are going to respond to these cases but we do see signs of a sympathetic approach not only
0: by the courts but also by prosecutors and ellen obviously the uh, the general stereotype is the dutch uh, have a very permissive approach with cannabis but you know what what's the situation for for medicinal use yeah
3: thank you uh, nick well, also in the Netherlands, doctors are quite reserved when it comes to prescribing medicinal cannabis to patients. So uh, that doesn't differ very much from, from the situation in, uh, in the UK. And um, However, the possibility to prescribe cannabis already exists in the Netherlands for a very, very long time, actually since 2003. But it is still not considered rational pharmacotherapy. So, all doctors' guidance documents do not encourage prescribing medicinal cannabis due to the lack of uh, scientific evidence that medicinal cannabis is effective. And treatment in the Netherlands with medicinal cannabis is only eligible if the usual treatments and registered medicines do not sufficiently help patients or, well, cause too many side effects. However, Doctors are allowed to prescribe uh, a cannabis that's not limited to certain diseases. It's up to the doctor to decide whether a patient would benefit from a treatment with medicinal cannabis. But in practice, what you see in the Netherlands is that, that prescriptions are often not issued as a treatment but merely to relieve certain pain symptoms in limited situations. And if a prescription is issued, the patient generally does not get reimbursement from the health insurer. So the patients have to pay um, for the the cannabis themselves. Um, Well, the absence of clinical studies and study results is the main reason that cannabis is not reimbursed by most of the health insurers in the Netherlands. Um, with respect to the pharmacists, community pharmacies in the Netherlands have provided medicinal cannabis 5% less often in 2019 in comparison to the year before. So the number of prescriptions has fallen below 50,000 for the first time since 2017. There is, however... A major increase in the popularity of various freely available products containing CBD. Shuna already mentioned those products. Contrary to THC containing medicinal cannabis, many CBD products are available without prescription. For instance, on the Internet, at drugstores, or in health food stores. And these products and oils are sometimes offered as a food supplement and sometimes as a medical device. And there is a huge market for that in, uh, in the Netherlands. Although the use of medicinal cannabis in the Netherlands is not that high, the Netherlands is a very large exporter of medicinal cannabis. Laura already mentioned that uh, Italy is one uh, of the main importers of um, medicinal cannabis growed in the, in, in the Netherlands. And in order to meet this growing foreign demand of medicinal cannabis and the need for new cannabis varieties on the Dutch market itself, a public procurement procedure is currently being conducted uh, in the Netherlands by the Dutch Office of Medicinal Cannabis. And this office will contract with a grower who obtains a permit and will be allowed to grow the medicinal cannabis in the Netherlands. The office has the exclusive right to import, to export, to wholesale and to hold stocks regarding cannabis. And therefore, there is no possibility for growers without a license to be active on the Dutch market. And as a consequence, all harvests will be purchased by the Office of Medicinal Cannabis. And uh, although this is a very interesting uh, procurement uh, procedure at the moment, the outcome of the procurement procedure is still unknown. Um, it's it's actually a little bit in in into the dark what will happen. But uh, it's an interesting development, and we will um, keep you posted on this in the near future.
0: Well, that, I mean, what's really interesting then to me is um, you know obviously from a from a legal regulatory perspective then medical. Cannabis is allowed. Um, I'm hearing that it's been available, you know, in market for fifteen to almost twenty years in many cases, and there's obviously a great need, you know, in many therapeutic areas, many serious ones, including chronic pain. But again, what I'm hearing that despite that, you know, it's not at this point widely used uh, in the market, and you know, the question arises: well, why is that, Shuna?
2: So. I think it comes down um, to, from a UK perspective, down to a general lack of um, hard scientific evidence. And that's especially in the form of so-called gold standard randomized clinical trial data. And and that's certainly um, uh, the the UK view where it comes, for example, for um, use of medical cannabis for management of chronic pain. Um, The perception is that there's a continued current lack of evidence supporting the use of medical cannabis for managing that condition. And and that's really despite the fact that cannabis-based medicines do appear to have been available in other countries for a number of years. When you look at what the various professional bodies for specialist medical practitioners are saying in the UK, broadly they're supportive of the use of medical cannabis, but only after a convention interventions have failed, or, and this is important, I think, within the context of high-quality clinical research, in other words, clinical trials, in order to analyse the potential benefits of medical cannabis for relief of pain. Um, There's also been some concern voiced about prescribing of medical cannabis by isolated cannabis clinics as to whether such clinics are actually carrying out an appropriately comprehensive and multidisciplinary patient assessment before they actually prescribe, and that would obviously include considering the possibility of using alternative therapies to medicinal cannabis. Um, So in in the UK, I think there are also concerns that um, the potential benefits offered by medical cannabis are comparatively modest and not necessarily cost effective. And and therefore, particularly in the public sector, don't make for effective use of what are limited National Health Service, NHS resources. Um, and, And that's despite the fact that there are thought to be significant numbers of people who are using non-medicinal, in other words, recreational cannabis um, for uh, self-administration for treating various conditions, including pain. For example, to give uh, symptomatic relief where they've got some underlying debilitating um, chronic medical condition where a chronic pain is involved, because obviously use of recreational cannabis brings its own risks because of the the variation in, in quality of those products. If you look at the type of guidance that's coming out from NICE, which is England's health technology body, and they're responsible for assessing new drugs and treatments when these become available, Um, in November 2019, they published guidance that says that medical cannabis shouldn't be prescribed for managing chronic pain, except for cannabidiol or CBD, which if you remember is that pure plant-derived cannabinoid, and that should be used on its own, but only in the context of a clinical trial. So again, the emphasis is all on generating scientific evidence. So NICE considered that the evidence available did show that CBD reduced chronic pain, but that the treatment effect was modest and there wasn't any evidence of any corresponding reduction in opioid use in people who were prescribed medicinal cannabis for pain. And so because the number of people who are actually suffering chronic pain who might benefit is obviously very large, the cost is potentially high for the National Health Service. So NICE's um, modelling actually specifically compared the, uh, the potential possible benefits with the expected costs. And their conclusion was that medical cannabis can't be considered a cost-effective use of NHS resource when it comes to treatment for chronic pain. And although they did recommend research into CBD for adults with um, fibromyalgia or treatment-resistant neuropathic pain. Um, and that patient population amounts to about 15% of the total UK patient population, which is obviously quite significant. Um, you know, it, they've recommended the research um, to check whether it might mean that patients will be able to avoid side effects from existing pain relief medication. So it's not really a question of medical cannabis um, being used on its own as a first-line treatment necessarily. Um, When it comes to palliative care, uh, again the perception is that the evidence supporting use of medical cannabis for palliative care patients, so late-stage cancer patients for example, um, that was also considered to be insufficient by NICE and it's not therefore currently recommended for routine clinical practice. Though again, has recommended research to look at the benefits of cannabis for palliative care and that's really to investigate whether it could be made available via outpatient as opposed to inpatient care or whether it could help reduce overall opioid use. So they're really looking at it from a cost-effectiveness perspective and also a public health perspective.
0: Okay, so, so Laura, what about the, the opinion of the, the Italian authorities on this?
1: Uh, The reasons why medical cannabis uh, is not um, extended uh, to other um, diseases are similar to those already mentioned by Shuna. There is a general skepticism about the use of cannabis uh, um, for diseases which are not those already approved Uh, for the medical cannabis treatment by the Italian Ministry of Health. Uh, mm, So, for instance, uh, chronic pain uh, or um, sleep disorders uh, uh, are not considered uh, diseases uh, for which cannabis can be uh, prescribed uh, and reimbursed by the Italian government. Uh, In general, the medical cannabis is not considered a proper therapy. It is considered just uh, a treatment for symptoms uh, of uh, very serious diseases uh, and for those uh, approved. So also the research in Italy is mainly aimed uh, at Uh, assessing the efficacy of the medical cannabis treatments more than at exploring further possibilities to apply cannabis treatments to uh, new uh, or different diseases. Uh, In general, cannabis uh, is uh, prescribed only when the standard um, drugs uh, uh, have proved to be unsuccessful. And in this sense, the situation is similar to the UK situation. In general, there is a skepticism from the scientific community because the evidence of the efficacy of um, cannabis treatments uh, is not considered uh, sufficiently proved uh, and the evidence is not considered fully reliable. So the research uh, is mainly aimed at assessing the efficacy of the treatment for the purposes already authorized.
0: So it seems, I mean, that we're, we're still at a relatively early stage then. Um, as Shuna said, there's a, there's a lack of hard scientific evidence uh, there's a lack of experience, I think, of the, the healthcare professionals who are adopting a relatively conservative approach here. And there are concerns or doubts, or at the very least, a lack of knowledge about the perceived benefits of cannabis for medical use. But there still seems to be a you know a strong interest here, a desire to know more. So, you know, what's what's actually being done about that? Um, Ellen, maybe? <laughs>
3: yes. Well, the Netherlands has uh... a very special approach, which is actually not intended to get a broader access to cannabis, but it will have that effect. A new experiment will be introduced in the Netherlands uh, during this year, in 2020, and the experiment is called the Controlled Cannabis Supply Chain Experiment. And this experiment concerns recreational cannabis, and it is set up to explore if and how growers can supply coffee shops in the Netherlands with quality-controlled cannabis in a decriminalized manner. Production and supply of cannabis to coffee shops is illegal, while at the same time selling by the coffee shops to consumers is tolerated by the Dutch government. And by adjusting the regulatory framework, Uh, by decriminalizing cultivation, distribution and sale of cannabis and making these activities subject to a permit. Um, This should improve the quality of the product, uh, protect the public health and reduce crime. So far, um, 10 municipalities in the Netherlands will participate in this experiment. And one of the uh, expected Expected side effects is that the recreational branch of cannabis use in the Netherlands will substitute a part of the medicinally prescribed cannabis. Because of the fact that doctors are holding back from prescribing cannabis and that health insurance companies in general do not reimburse medicinal cannabis, some patients choose to get their cannabis at the coffee shops. And especially now that the government is planning to supervise the supply and quality through the experiments, expectations are that medicinal users will switch to the freely available recreational cannabis. And yeah, well, they have to pay for it anyway. So you can also get it from uh, the coffee shops. So that's what's currently happening
0: in the Netherlands. Thanks, Helen. And and Shuna, what what about the UK? What studies are being conducted there currently?
2: So in in the UK, the the focus, as I mentioned, is all really around the generation of hard scientific evidence. So at a national level, uh, the UK's National Institute for Health Research, NIHR, they issued calls for primary clinical research proposals back in 2019. And that was in order to increase knowledge in the area of medical cannabis. And at the moment, they're in the process of considering the applications for um, research support that they received. Um, NICE also, as I mentioned already, um, issued a range of recommendations for clinical research across you know, a number of different areas. There's um, also um, a UK wide paediatric network um, for healthcare professionals, which is being established. And that's really to support knowledge sharing from clinical practice. We've discussed complex cases, for example, and to assist in evidence generation, so developing hypotheses or forming networks to actually carry out um, robust uh, research. Um, There will also be um, trials for patients who are already using medical cannabis, as well as for cannabis-naive patients with relevant conditions. Um, In the meantime, we're also aware that private companies, um, who have pipeline products for which they're looking for marketing authorization are also preparing or have initiated clinical trials into promising candidates in the UK and also elsewhere in the, U- in the EU. And We've seen several multi-country um, trials already set up. Um, there's also work afoot to scope and develop a national UK patient registry, so clinical registry, to collect a uniform data set across all indications and also some exploratory work to actually see if they can update the National Genomic Test Directory so that whole genome sequencing could actually be offered to children with treatment resistant epilepsy, um, where they're under consideration for treatment with medical cannabis. Um, there's another similar private sector initiative by um, Drug Science, which is a UK charity, uh, which has established what it refers to as Europe's first and biggest medical cannabis registry, and that's called Project 2021, and and their aim is to enroll 20,000 patients suffering from a variety of specified conditions by the end of 2021. And, And again, the goal is obviously to create a large body of evidence supporting efficacy and tolerability Of medical cannabis um, that can be uh, relied upon and and support both policy makers but also prescribers of the um, benefits of wider adoption of medical cannabis for patients Um, and clinics enrolling patients in those registries will only be able to do so if patients have already attempted two different licensed medications which have been found to be ineffective so again you're not seeing it moving into first-line treatment but you're seeing research initiatives or data
0: collection initiatives being established so we can, we can expect lots of research then to come to try to, you know, persuade healthcare professionals and payers and the authorities of the, the safety and the efficacy of uh, medicinal cannabis. And in the meantime, then, it sounds as if uh, other avenues may be found to try to meet the, you know, the very significant demand um, from patients for, for the product. So that could come in the form of, you know, coffee shops in the Netherlands, you know, a diversion of recreational channels, perhaps, or perhaps from private companies looking to exploit, exploit what's, what's evidently a, you know, a pretty significant market. Um, so looking to the future, I guess the question I'd ask all of you um, is, you know, what, what, what does that hold? What's, what are we likely to see in the coming years in this market? So maybe uh, Laura, start with you.
1: Yes, I, I can foresee that in Italy uh, the situation will change uh, in the next years in the sense that the Italian government is trying to cut the cost uh, of importing cannabis from abroad. So probably uh, private growers uh, will be allowed to, rise to uh, produce medical cannabis uh, in Italy and uh, investors could be interested in entering into this market. There is a high pressure from the Italian Growers Association to be authorised to produce cannabis. Italy was one of the main producers of cannabis last century, so there are the conditions to produce cannabis here in Italy. And of course, Italian growers do not understand why we have to buy uh, cannabis from abroad uh, uh, and at the same time not authorize uh, an Italian production. So there is a pressure in this sense, and I believe that Italian companies, uh, or of course, uh, companies uh, interested uh, in entering this market uh, and getting a share of this market in Italy, will be authorized in the future. At the same time, the public procurement tenders, which are uh, new, because Italy uh, only bought through the Dutch Channel up to some years ago, is a, an interesting opportunity uh, for foreign companies uh, to get a share of the Italian market. Uh, there is an internal growing for cannabis uh, and this of course makes Italy mm, a big potential market for medical cannabis uh, products. Of course, uh, uh, the results of the scientific research will be very important in order to to speed up uh, the process and to allow a wider use of medical cannabis uh, in, uh, in the market.
0: And uh, Shuna, what what does the future hold in the UK, do you think?
2: Well, as far as growing and cultivation of cannabis is concerned, that's already allowed, but subject to Home Office regulation in the UK. Um, I know one of the barriers that was identified to the um, uptake of cannabis uh, used medicinally was um, a lack or a difficulty with importing product and there is therefore some work being undertaken to actually see if they can promote in-country cultivation and manufacturing. Not sure whether the weather is sufficiently reliable to really permit that but certainly um, they're looking at um, in in a UK uh, manufacturing. I I think in terms of um, broader future developments I think maybe two things spring to mind. So Firstly, I think generation of robust clinical data will, will definitely remain a focus um, through clinical trials, clinical registries, and also really through shared prescribing experience like that uh, clinical network that I mentioned to you. Um, because without that, I think there's going to be a lot of difficulty persuading payers Commissioners of healthcare uh, to agree to fund these treatments, and in particular in the National Health Service, where you know there is understandably watchfulness to try and avoid um, a repeat of opioid overprescribing, you know, which we've seen over the last twenty years. Um, the UK has already seen some private clinics established, and they've got specific licences to enable them to prescribe medicinal cannabis, um, but without reimbursement, obviously that financial burden is just going to fall upon patients and their families, and, and that can be significant. Um, If these products are really to become widely available, widely prescribed in the UK, I think there will obviously need to be increased reimbursement available. And and really, it's a question of producing hard evidence, both as to clinical benefits, but also the cost effectiveness um, of their use. The second um, point, I think, that we can expect to see ongoing enforcement by the MHRA and also um, by uh, companies with authorised products who I would expect would act to actually sort of restrict market access for unauthorised medicinal cannabis, as obviously um, unauthorised products can only be supplied by the so-called specials route, where the prescriber takes personal responsibility for treatment for an individual named patient on account of that patient's special clinical needs and where there's no suitable authorised product available. I think it's predictable as that as more medicinal, medicinal cannabis products actually get licensed by the MHRA, the scope for prescribing of unauthorized specials will diminish because obviously healthcare professionals um, will not be looking to take on personal uh, legal responsibility more than they have to. And the MHRA and licensed companies as well will um, police officially and unofficially the market to prevent special supplies where these overlap with the license indications of authorized products.
0: And Alan, what about the Netherlands, what's the future? Have interests
2: there? Yeah, when
3: I look um, to the future, I think the following will happen in the Netherlands. Um, so far, there's only one industrial medicine based on cannabis authorized in the Netherlands. However, I expect that a lot more products that are based on cannabis and that have been through full clinical trials and that are licensed as a medicine with the marketing authorization in place will be introduced onto the Dutch market in the near future. So instead of drinking tea or smoking, one can take a tablet. That's certainly one of the things I expect uh, in the near future. Um, Furthermore, I expect that CBD is going to be processed in a wide variety of products, for example, in cosmetics, in drinks, in cigarettes and so on. Um, We already advised a lot of companies in, uh, in this respect. And in addition, I already mentioned it: this the use of recreational cannabis will substitute part of the medicinal prescribed uh, cannabis in the Netherlands. But um, just to make it clear, like the UK and Italy, the Netherlands is is really focusing for for on on clinical research that will show the effectiveness of cannabis that will be of real importance to get it reimbursed. And 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 also prescribed, of course, by the by the doctors. And finally, um, I expect that uh, the highly regulated market on medical medicinal cannabis in the Netherlands will be slightly more accessible, or as you can say, liberalized, so that more and more growers and other parties involved in the distribution and sale of cannabis get the opportunity to trade cannabis. I think that's what the near future is about um, in the netherlands
0: so lots as i say lots of research to come i think quite interesting a lot of collaboration a lot of sharing of data patient registries like project uh, 2021 that tuna mentioned um so that that will be interesting but i think in the meantime it's such a significant market there's so much interest in the private sector that you know you're going to see some working to increase production capacity as laura said uh, in italy and interestingly as Ellen, you said, you know, links to other sectors, so dietary supplements and cosmetics and drinks and cigarettes even. So uh, hashtag interesting times ahead for the cannabis industry. OK, so thank you for joining us for this edition of On The Pulse. We hope you found the discussions to be thought provoking and insightful. If you'd like to discuss any of the topics covered, please do get in touch. To find out more about On The Pulse and CMS's Global Life Sciences and Healthcare Group, visit cms.law. Audio versions of On The Pulse are available through your usual podcast store.